Welcome to LOL Adulthood. Welcome back to LOL Adulthood. I'm your host, Reem, and today we have with us... Your favorite guest, Mako. Mako. And today we're we'll going to talk about something entertaining and nurturing for your brain. And a little bit spooky. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit spooky in here. Yeah, October is coming up, you know. You want those pumpkin spice. You want that pumpkin spice in your soul. In your soul. You want it marinated. You want marinated and all stirred up in your soul. Like a good, good stew. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners are like, what the f***? God. <laughs> this is turning into pumpkin ASMR real quick. <laughs> Somebody, halt the seeds. <laughs> what are we talking about today? <laughs> um, today, both of us have prepared some compelling information. Don't forget spooky. Compelling and spooky information that only one of us knows. So I prepared something that Michael doesn't know and Michael's prepared something that I don't know, and we're gonna share it with each other. A little surprise. Yeah. Um, should we like tell each other before we begin, or should we just go into it? I just, I think we should just send it. Should we just send it? Yeah. Okay. Today, I today I will be bringing to the table the story of mirror people, and the secrets behind black magic and mirrors. Sweet. And what will what will you be bringing to the table today? It's a secret. It's just spooky, okay? It's just spooky. That's all you need to know. Okay, I'll, I'll just put my seatbelt on and I'll prepare myself for the ride, the ride of this roller coaster into your information gathering research you've done. Information gathering. <laughs> <laughs> that was so unnecessary. All right, Mike. Um, how about you take, since you're the guest, how about you take the reins for now? Oh, should I take point? Yeah, take point, sir. So much responsibility. All right, our first topic of today. Wait, wait, give it, give it a little spooky, like a little spooky, spooky winds, you know? Okay. It was a night much like tonight. When the severed head rolled into the scene. said today we're gonna be talking about severed heads severed heads yes severed heads what happens when someone gets their noggin chopped off you die oh but do you oh huh okay <laughs> yeah so do, what do you think do you lose consciousness when you get your head chopped off yeah because when you chop off your head you aren't attached to your spine anymore and i feel uh, like the spine is the the main thing that if you <laughs> if you disconnect that you're you're done yeah 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 well a lot of people would agree that's why they invented the guillotine um there's this one doctor who had the idea of inventing the guillotine because he thought it would be more humane right you just it's a clean chop it, you know you know the guillotine that was used in the reign of terror in france yeah french revolution kind of stuff yeah, before that, they would just get, like, an axe, and maybe it wasn't even very sharp, and they would just hack away at a person until their head rolled off. And that might be one swing, but it might be a lot of swings. Rich people would actually pay the executioner 
to have the blade really sharp so it would just be one swing. No pain, right? Damn. Yeah, but people that were poor couldn't do that. That that, that executioner, <laughs> he might have a real rough, like a rusty, you know, dull ass blade. He going he's going to town on them, you know. <laughs> it doesn't come off in one swing is all I'm saying. It's like you have your options. You have yeah. it's like buying gas. You know, you have 85, 89, yeah. and then you have diesel, right? Yeah. But it's with axes. With 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 death. <laughs> Literally dying. <laughs> you got your package deals. <laughs> yeah, you got your shitty axe. Then you got your moderate axe. Yeah, your family fun deal. Yeah. And then you have the Axe 5000. The Axe 5000. <laughs> Not to be confused with body spray axe. <laughs> yeah. That's worse than death. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Axe 5000. I don't want to even know what that is. It sounds scary. That's interesting. Continue. Anyway, people used to get their heads chopped off in many ways, right? That's, uh-huh. When the guillotine came around, um, the blade is uh, angled, right? And it falls down very quick, and it's usually uh, and very sharp, right? So it's a clean cut. Boom! Your head falls into a basket. It's done. There's not a lot of chopping. Um, and what people started to see when they started using guillotines is that heads would continue to move even after they were chopped off like how would they be moving like their mouths would move or their facial muscles would move or they would grimace like you know make a like a they're in pain or they would look really angry or their eyes would follow people and so they started their eyes would follow people yes we'll get to that but basically what people started seeing to their horror is that when you cleanly chop off a head um, some of these heads would show signs of still being conscious. Like, the person's not blacked out yet or dead yet. There's still activity in the brain. They're still able to move their face around and stuff. So, creepy stuff, right? And so this leads into the question, how long does consciousness last for even after the head's chopped off? Huh. And the answer, well... It's kind of hard to test this on humans, okay? <laughs> you don't say. You don't say, yeah. <laughs> so, but there have been some studies done. Um, for example, there was this study done on mice, right? So lab mice, when they're retired, that's a nice way of saying when they're, don't, you know, when they're close to, when they're old or whatever, and they, mm-hmm. they're not useful to the scientists anymore, um, the scientists will usually chop their heads off because it's a, more humane way of, of killing them, I guess. I yeah. It seems kind of like, I feel like you do other things, but I don't know. For like some, gas them? I don't know. Maybe headshot. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was a study. So they chopped off a bunch of these mice's heads um, in a lab, right? And they put uh, EEGs on their heads. So these are devices that can read electrical activity in the brain, right? Because your brain uh, is electrical, so... You can, uh, basically with these devices, you can kind of see if there's still brain activity or not and in what part of the brain is the activity still happening. So they put these EEGs on these mice, they chopped off their heads, and they saw that the brains were still thinking. They were still showing signs of thinking and having cognition four seconds after their heads were chopped off. Damn. Which means they weren't dead yet. They were, whatever mice think about when their head gets chopped off, they were still... Well, according to these devices, stuff was still going on in there, man. In the little mousy brains. Which is weird, right? 
Do you think it's because, like, the blood is rushing to their brain before it's chopped off, and that blood is still in that area where the brain's active? Well, you could describe it like this. Um, your brain is kind of separate from uh, the rest of your body, in a sense. It's its own organ, right? And it gets its energy from your blood and from the oxygen in your blood, right? Um so when you chop off a head and it's very clean, like a clean chop, like in a guillotine, it doesn't damage the brain at all, right? It'll cut off the brain from the rest of the body, but it's not going to damage the brain. Um, however, the blood, which gives oxygen to the brain, is, is flooding out of the system. And so the brain only has a little bit left to be active because all the oxygen is, is very quickly going to drain out. However, before the blood drains out, the brain can potentially still work. Damn. Yeah. You know, in my culture, they say that after a person dies, they have 24 hours of hearing still left, and they can hear what you're saying. Whoa. It's kind of creepy. Right? Yeah, so be careful yeah. what you have to say to somebody for your last words to them, because they're like sponges. They can still hear you. They're going to possess your ass. And if you say something sketch, yeah. They're going to be sketchy back. Yeah. They're going to go gangsta on your ass. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Would you like to hear more about heads getting chopped off? Yes. Okay. All right. So that was that rat study, right? Where they chopped the heads off and there was still stuff going on for four seconds. Okay. Well, what about humans? Humans are a little different than mice. Well, we can't really study this, like I said, but for your information, legal beheading is still a thing today in the Middle Eastern states of Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Yemen and Iran. So, legal beheading. Legal in these countries. If they put EEGs on the people they're beheading and did these studies, which would be super unethical, you probably could see how long the human brain would um, function after being beheaded. Why would it be unethical? Because you're, ba you're, you're basically saying, oh look, this is an opportunity to do science on these people that are literally losing their lives in, mean... a, in a very arcane way. But it's legal for them, so why not take advantage of the study? I mean, they're probably not going to do it. Why wouldn't they want to advance that study on their own? Because, I mean, if they're still beheading people, they're probably not thinking about the deeper stuff like, how long does consciousness last after we behead this person? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of a paradox. <laughs> Truce. Yeah. Touche. Touche. Anyhow. Um... There was one study in 1905, okay? Uh, Dr. Burio, this doctor, this criminal was about to be executed, and he was like, you know what, uh, let me use this to see how long, um, like, the human mind works after being their, getting their head chopped off, right? Um, because he'd heard of these tales from the French Revolution about people, like, moving their faces and stuff, and so he's like... You know, let's test it out. I'm going to count how many seconds this okay. guy still moves his face around. Anyway, so the criminal's name was Henry Languil, uh, and his head was chopped off. And so the physician called his name while this guy's head was on the floor and said, uh, Henry. And to the doctor's astonishment, the head uh, opened his eyes and looked up at the doctor's face and then softly closed his eyes and remain still and then 
like 15 seconds later, the doctor said his name again, Henry. And the man again looked up to the doctor's face and then closed his eyes again. No. <laughs> well, this is what the doctor said. All right, this is his notes. And so the doctor recorded that over the course of 25 seconds, the man's the man still had cognition, was still able to recognize his own name. So if that's true, that means, you know, theoretically you might have around 30 seconds of, like, thinking about things after your head is chopped off. What do you think about that? That's insane to think about. Yeah. That's weird. It's a weird feeling to even experience. I mean, yeah. Just being detached from your body. Yeah. Spooky, huh? That's a scary ride at an amusement park I don't want to experience. Getting your head chopped off? Yeah. 20, you said 25 seconds? Yeah. Nearly 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah. We're going to round up to 30 just for shits and giggles. That's a scary ride. That's a scary ride. But yeah, so I have come up with a list of things you could do in that 30 seconds with your chopped off head to end this section off, okay? <laughs> <laughs> This list is called Things to Do with Your Newly Chopped Off Head in 30 Seconds. Number one, blink a Morse code haiku. Alright, maybe you, maybe this like experience of like getting chopped off is kind of poetic for you, right? Maybe you're a poet type. Uh, and maybe you know a Morse code, right? And so maybe you blink that haiku in Morse code to whoever's watching you and they're like, oh my god. He's so poetic, and then you die. All right, that's one option. <laughs> Second option, see what it's like to be a basketball. Or... <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like, have someone, like, you know, maybe an NBA player. Like, you know, maybe... Uh, I don't LeBron? Know, I don't watch that. Yeah, LeBron, the most basic one, yeah. Maybe he comes out in the field, he's like, I see you've gotten your head chopped off. Let me drain a sick three-pointer with your head. Before you lose consciousness. Nothing but net, baby. And then blackness. <laughs> and then the buzzer goes off. And then it doesn't matter because you're dead. Anyway, that's an idea. Or you can maybe substitute like baseball or like football into that. You know, just being a ball. More pain. Being a ball. Well, you would, I don't know if you'd experience too much pain because your spine's kind of detached from your head, you know. Okay. You mostly kind of just be feeling disoriented, like, what the fuck's going on? Okay. But not if you had a plan. This is why we're helping you plan ahead. This is what this list is for. Right? The third option is get put inside a jack-o'-lantern and scare the shit out of trick-or-treaters. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatize some children, am I right? That's the funnest thing, yeah. Yeah. And then the last one is see your body for the first time from another person's perspective. If you think about it, you've never seen your body before from an outsider's perspective. You've only ever looked down at your body or seen it in a picture or seen it in a mirror, right? You've never seen it from someone else's eyes. So if you were to take your head off and have someone hold it and just watch your body like stumble around and do whatever it's doing when it gets chopped off, that'd be kind of interesting. And then you die. Yeah, I think I'd do that. Yeah, weird. Yeah. A little disturbing probably. Huh. Which one would you pick out of those? Or do you have another option or suggestion? I guess you could go bungee jumping with just your head. It's just like the basketball. You're still going for that hoop. Yes, true. Getting that fall. Getting that, yeah. Extreme sports. 
with no body? I, you know, looking at my body from an outsider's perspective would be would be cool. It would be cool. We all got that body dysmorphia in some shape or form. Yeah, this will this will potentially give you another perspective on your body. And who knows? Maybe it'll enhance it, or feed your body dysmorphia so you die unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I really am fat. <laughs> they were right the whole time. <laughs> That'd be sad. Anyway, that ends my severed head section. I have more sections, though. You have more sections? Oh, yeah, bro. Okay, <laughs> you you do your thing now. The The ball is in your court. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The severed head is in your the, court. The severed ball head is rolling towards you. <laughs> That's a really weird way to say that. Do what you will with it. Do what you will. Alright, we're talking about mirrors. 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 So sketchy. Skyring. Skyring? What the hell are you talking about? You know what Skyring is? No. We'll get into that. Oh, spooky. Alright, so we all have seen a mirror, right? We all have them in our houses. If you don't have a house, um, you're poor. What the f*** you doing? <laughs> yeah, what the f*** you doing god i mean <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah so we've all seen a mirror and we all have them in our houses right yeah and they're great to have you know if you put it up in your room it kind of makes the room bigger kind of i disagree with that statement really I think mirrors are creepy as fuck and i would never have one in my room but i know you're weird so go ahead Michael, I think you're freaking weird, bro. Everybody likes mirrors. Everybody likes them in their room, too. Bruh. Let's agree to disagree on that one. They scared the dudes out of me. <laughs> anyway. <God>. Sorry. <laughs> so, with mirrors, you know, you've probably heard some superstitions about them, right? Yeah. You probably have heard the biggest, famous superstition about mirrors. Let's hear it. If you break a mirror... Seven years, bad luck. Why seven, though? I'm going to tell you. But you've heard of that superstition, right? Yeah. I, I didn't remember the number of years, but yeah, I, I remembered it was bad luck. Yeah. So it's like, never break a mirror because you'll get seven years, bad luck. But where did this come from? Where did this belief even come about? Good question. Well, I'm here to tell you it was the ancient Romans. Goddamn Romans. It's the fucking Romans. And... They did the, They said this because mirrors at the time were really expensive to make, and it took a long time to make a mirror, right? So once it was created, if you were to break that, they'd be like, what the f***, bro? <laughs> what the f***, bro? In their, in their original words. <laughs> yeah. What is the fuckest, Constantinople? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, to make people feel even more guilty, they decided to say, if you break a mirror, you're going to get seven years bad luck, bro. So don't fucking do it. And the reason they chose the number seven is because the ancient Romans believed that a person's soul renewed every seven years. So you spend seven years in limbo, and then you come back or something? What is it? Yeah, so it's kind of like um, your criminal background report, right? So you do something bad, 
you gotta wait a couple number of years to get that expunged off of your background check. No. Right? So for these Romans over here, they're like, you break a fucking mirror. That's a whole cycle. Yeah. You're fucked, bro. That's on your background check for seven years. Nobody wants to fucking touch you. It's like you have the cheese touch. <laughs> the cheese touch. <laughs> <laughs> from the wimpy kid, you know? Nobody nobody want you. That's where the cheese touch came from. Yeah. The Romans started it. The Romans. Um, not only that, but mirrors have been around for for a really long time. You know, back to 2000 BCE. Whoa. It was like ancient China or what? So they have been found in Turkey. They've been found in South and Central America. They've been found in Asia. They've been found all over the world. Mirrors. Mirrors. And you know what they would make them out of? What? Typically, it would be polished obsidian. Oh, no way. So it's like that black, shiny rock. Yeah. If you don't know what obsidian is. And they would do it with that or bronze. Oh, bronze. No way. So not not glass. No. I, I'm so guessing those are the glass f- came with the Romans. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you can break it. Yeah. So that's where mirrors... Mirrors have been around for a really long time. Some ancient cultures believe that... With mirrors, you have, you know, your reflection, right? And they say that your reflection that you see in the mirror was your true self. And it showed you your shadow soul. Your shadow soul? What does that mean? Your shadow soul is pretty much the other you. And they live in an alternate reality. And they also say that if you see yourself in the mirror, that's how you know you are mortal. Hence why vampires and evil spirits don't have a reflection. Because they don't have a soul. So you can't see your soul in the reflection. Okay, so it's like like going from a Stranger Things reference point. It's like the upside down you. Yeah. I see. And so if you're already in the upside down, you ain't getting no reflection of that upside down you. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently, back then, mirrors were portals. Like Rick and Morty type portals? Yeah, there were portals. And they believed that in these portals, humans and spirits could walk through interchangeably. Both of them could. Into different dimensions. Right? Spooky. And... One day, you know, people be hanging around, portal hopping, visiting. Portal hopping. (laughs) Hanging out with their cousins, their brethren, in different dimensions and stuff. And this Chinese king, he's called 400-year king. So one day, the 400-year king, he notices that there was a strange kind of spirit that would come through the portals and he would start, you know, messing with, the civilians like some of these spirits would come on out and they'd be like i'm gonna go fuck around and possess a bitch <laughs> i'm gonna possess a bitch <laughs> <laughs> because why not it's a tuesday and i'm feeling cheeked up right <laughs> I'm feeling all cheeked up on a tuesday <laughs> <laughs> so the spirit would go out and he they would do this and then other spirits that were in that portal they were like hey looks like that guy is having a good time i'm trying to have a good time too so, if you can't beat him, I'm going to join him. Is that how it is? 
Yeah, so all these demon spirits start coming through the portal, and they start possessing people, and they start, you know, having sexual ghost relations with these people, succubus, incubus, all these crazy demons coming through this portal to get their get their game on. Okay. We got a lot of horny ghosts trying to get some. Okay. And the 400-year-old king, he's like, this is bad. We cannot have demons coming in and raping and pillaging my people or any people for that matter because that's wrong so he asked the sages from all around the world to join in group prayer and skyring and skyring is pretty much looking into an object and meditating on it and making it magical in a sense like uh, Joseph Smith with the hat and the tablets. Okay. So that would be like Skyrim. Yeah. So um, all these sages join together, right? Because they're determined to stop these horny ghosts. Mm. And what they do is they decide to close the portals mm. in this unified mm. prayer. Mm-hmm. And through that, that's how all the mirrors got closed. So now people can't go in and some demons can't get out like get out of them some can though but some can Mm. so it's kind of like um a condom if you will it's 99 percent effective but every now and then you know somebody somebody getting pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a ghost baby (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be a ghost baby every time. It's gonna be a ghost baby every time. That's where all the gingers come from. <laughs> They're soulless. Yeah, they that's came how from gin- broken condoms. <laughs> that's how gingers are born. Is, is through uh, mirror demons. Mirror demon condom sex. <laughs> but yeah, so that's pretty much like a brief insight into mirrors. Another cool mythology, again Chinese. Man, these Chinese be pumping out mythology. Yes, yeah, sir. In some Chinese mythology, there is a story regarding the Mirror Kingdom. Alright? And in the Mirror Kingdom, there were these creatures who um, they said would one day rise up to battle humans who are caught in magic sleep. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that's astral projection. Magic sleep. Because that's where your soul kind of leaves your body. And that's when they're most likely to attack and take control of you. Interesting. And they say that the flickers we sometimes see in the corners of our eyes and mirrors are actually those creatures stirring. Oh, God. Yeah. And another thing um, a lot of cultures believe in is don't stare into the mirror at night with by candlelight because that invites spirits. And other cultures believe that when a person dies, you want to make sure that all your mirrors in the house are covered up because... They believe that souls can get trapped in mirrors. It's like a portal that will suck you in if you're a soul. That's creepy. Yeah. It's like that movie we watched. Which one? The um the one I don't I forget. What, is it is it called Mirrors? Oh yeah. Um, in the description, guys, I'm gonna put a list of cool movies about mirrors you should watch. Yeah, the Mirrors one that we watched. I, I think it's, it's called with, Mirrors. It's right? with Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's scary as. It's scary as hell. 
it's really good. good. It's really good. It's it's pretty violent though, and, and pretty gnarly. So be ready for that. Yeah, and they also say a lot of cultures say the power of a mirror is to suck out souls, and this has also been illustrated in Greek myths like Narcissus. And if you guys don't know that story, I'm just gonna read you this short excerpt. Narcissus and the lake. My homie um, Narcissus, he was a hunter in Greek mythology. He was son of the river god and this nymph. He was a very beautiful young man and many fell in love with him. However, he only showed them disdain and contempt. One day while he was hunting in the woods, this O-red nymph named Echo spotted him and immediately fell for him. When homeboy Nar sensed that someone was following him, Echo eventually revealed herself and tried to hug him. However, he pushed her off and told her not to disturb him. Echo, in despair, roamed around the woods for the rest of her life and wilted away until all that remained of her was an echo sound. Nemesis, the goddess of retribution and revenge, learned what had happened and decided to punish homeboy Nar. For his behavior she led him to a pool there the man saw his reflection in the water and fell in love with it although he did not realize in the beginning that it was just a reflection when he understood it he fell in despair that his love could not materialize and committed suicide damn damn he shouldn't have been so crusty man should have shown homegirl echo some love but yeah. also why is she coming on that strong yeah bro you see a hot guy in the woods you don't go up and try to hug him like that he got a bow in his hands, too. Yeah, like, you dumb bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's that's the story of Echo and Narcissus. Yeah, so mirrors, mirrors are portals, and they have the power to bring spirits of any kind into your reality. And thinking about this is kind of crazy, you know? After that story, this brings me to this next part. It's called mirror gazing meditation. Mirror gazing meditation. Mirror gazing meditation. Have you ever heard of it? No. No? Well, homeboy, this is right up your alley. Well, mirror gazing is where you stare at yourself in the mirror for a prolonged amount of time without breaking eye contact. With yourself. With yourself. Or with your spirit. With your shadow soul. Goddamn. And while you are meditating, while continuing this staring contest with yourself, there will be a moment where you connect to this different reality. And a lot of people, I did a lot of research on this, they say that there's benefits of mirror gazing. Like it kind of manifests things into reality for them. It makes them better understand themselves and feel better about their body image, I guess. You really get to know your face and body in a new light with mirror gazing, right? Mm-hmm. So they say it's a good thing for you, but some people say you have to be careful. You know why? Why? Because a lot of people who don't fully understand how to do mirror gazing when they do it they actually get their soul sucked into the mirror and they have a consciousness shift that takes them to a different reality and your shadow soul takes over and you don't even realize that you've had this consciousness shift but you are a different person Mm -hmm. so you have to be careful 
how you use the mirror. Spooky. You know, I my old uh, roommate, Nick, uh, he said he did this once, like a mirror meditation. He said that, like, it got to the point where he was, like, he almost felt like he was the reflection, and the reflection was him. That's crazy. Spooky. And a lot of people, they say that you should try going up to the mirror and say, I am me, you are you, this is my body, that's your body. You do not do that. You do not do that because that gives power to the shadow soul and it lets demon spirits, even the horny ones, know <laughs> that you're ready. <laughs> you're ready for some ghost penis. <laughs> Just popping boners behind the mirror. <laughs> God damn. Why are you saying these things? <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to try that out later tonight. So we're going to do what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, why not? Why not? You only live once. Might as well lose your soul to the mirror dimension. Yeah. Shake and bake. What an adventure that would be, huh? <laughs> Shake and bake, demon sex. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, um, that's what I have on mirrors and portals. Well, that's a spooky topic. Yes, sir. I gotta say. But is it as spooky as phantom limbs? Do you know what phantom limbs are? Yeah, it's like um, when you get your arm chopped off, you still feel like your arm is there. Yes, that is what it is. In a nutshell, basically. Okay. So, to start off with this idea of phantom limbs, alright? This is kind of... It's described as the persistence of sensation in limbs long after amputation has been noticed. Or sorry, sorry. The persistence of sensation in limbs long after amputation. That's what it is. And this has been noticed as far back as the 16th century. Um, and there's this French surgeon named Ambrose Pere. And he started to see on the battlefield that people would get their arms chopped off. Um, and he would discover that these patients would still feel like they could move their arm even though it wasn't there, or they still felt like sensations, like pain in their arm or their foot that was cut off, right? Hmm. Maybe got shot or maybe it was infected and needed to be cut off, right? Because that's what they did. They they were just hacking off limbs like crazy those days. Like, you know, like they were making French fries. That's all they really could do a lot of times. Interesting. So a lot of people were getting these phantom limb pains and no one could under, like really understand why, mm-hmm. right? So... A, like, a lot of these things include the sensation that your fingers are digging into your phantom palm like this. Like, your your fist is balled up, even though your arm's gone. Wow. The sensation that, um, like, there's shooting pains in your limb that's been chopped off, phantom limb pains. There was a sea lord named Lord Nelson, right? And he was a quote-unquote sea lord. Uh, he got his arm chopped off. And he could feel his fingertips digging into his palm. And he said, this is unmistakable evidence for the existence of a soul. Because my soul is feeling this, even though my arm is not here anymore. So people had all sorts of weird ideas about what this was. It wasn't until kind of modern uh, neuroscience took over that this was sort of understood. And what's really going on is actually pretty insane. It might blow your mind a little bit. So this guy named uh, Ramachandran, he's this famous neuroscientist, psychologist, who um, 
he's come up with a lot of cool theories, right? And he wrote this article about phantom limbs and, and gave the term phantom limb um, hmm. and, and studied it and actually figure out what's going on. Uh, so his patients, um, their, like their phantom arms or feet seem to be able to do anything the real arm or foot could do. For example, there was this one person um, that would go out and try to grab the phone every time it rung with his phantom arm. And he felt like his arm was literally reaching out to grab the phone, except it's just a stump. There's no fingers, no hand, although he could feel it, literally feel it reaching towards the phone. Um, they would try to scratch an itch, and then they would just be <laughs> stumping themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they would try to use their arm as if they still had it all the time and still felt like they had it, even though um, it was gone, right? Uh, so he's like, what the hell is going on here? Well, let's talk about the motor or the, the somatosensory cortex, okay? Because this is what's really happening. So your whole body is mapped onto this part of your brain called the somatosensory cortex. Um, and this part of the brain basically is like kind of where a lot of nerves go to. So all your, all your touch fibers, right, your nerves all across your skin that if you touch, you feel it, right? These all go back to a part of the brain called the somatosensory cortex, which we, which we just talked about. Um, and this, this part of the brain organizes where these sensations are coming in um, into the parts of the body where they came from. And so basically your entire body is mapped out onto your brain. It's called the homunculus. And this means little man. So basically everything you feel is in your brain, right? We all know this already. Uh, and, and that's because every part of your body and all the touch fibers that are going to these parts of the body go back to that part of the brain and go back to this map of the brain that that's like if you feel pain um on your fingertip it shoots a signal all the way to your brain to the fingertip section of your brain where it's mapped and then you're like oh that's on my fingertip right mm. so that's what happens so like we said every part of the body is mapped onto the brain all right so what happens to this map in the brain when your arm gets chopped off, right? Because these nerves are no longer firing the same way. Like, the nerves have been basically chopped off. Um, so what happens to that map? Well, Ramachandran found that when someone's arm, for example, gets chopped off, the nerves that map that arm in the brain uh, basically form connections to the next part of the body it's mapped next to. So... The arm section in your brain is mapped right next to the face section. And so what happens when your arm gets chopped off, those arm nerves go to the face. So now, because your, your, your brain's basically saying like, hey, we're not getting any information from the arm anymore. Something happened down there. So what we're going to do is we're going to transfer all the information from the arm to the face now, which is the next closest. It's kind of a neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. The brain changes to accommodate what happens to the body. Um, and so what they found is that now the arm is mapped out onto the face. So every time you scrunch your face or move your face, you're going to feel like your arm's still there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really weird. weird. Because since your arm uh, nerves have been redirected to your face... Now, when the brain gets input, like sensory input from the face, it'll go to the face part of that map in the brain. It'll also go to the arm part. 
of that map in the brain. And so that's why people still feel like they have their arms because their arm is basically being stimulated through moving their face. That's insane. Which is insane. And this is how Ramachandran found that out. He took a Q-tip and he started touching various parts of this guy's like, like face and stuff. And then the guy said, hold on, you're touching my fingertip. And he was touching his cheekbone, right? And then he moved the, the Q-tip a little over. Like, oh, hold on, now you're touching my thumb. And the entire hand that he had lost was mapped out onto his face, onto the skin on his face. Wow. Yeah, even if you were to pour water on this uh, face map of the arm, uh, the guy would feel water trickling down his hand that wasn't there. So you just forget you have a face then? You lose sight of your face? No, no, no. What do you mean? Well, if, like, say, example, the right side of your face is your phantom limb, what happens to the feeling of your right side of your face? If that's it's still the... there. So it feels like you have water on your face and your hands. Exactly. Interesting. It's both because the nerves have been remapped onto the face, right? So your face doesn't become just a face anymore. It, according to your brain, it becomes an arm face. Wow. Which is weird to think about. It doesn't really make sense. No. But it kind of makes sense if you understand how the brain works, like it, how it's mapped. It's all nerves. It's all firing. And so if the nerves were getting their input from one part of the body and that part of the body gets chopped off and they move to a different part of the body, well, now when that part of the body moves or gets feeling, it's going to show up in your brain as what those old nerves um, used to fill. So... Now it's not just a face, it's also a map of your arm as well, and your hand that you're missing. So that's pretty insane, right? Yeah, that is insane. And and so it's not all like, you know, hunky-dory though, because people will get like these very chronic pains in these phantom limbs. Like they'll feel like their fists are clenched constantly, or their feet are clenched, even though they're not there. And they get these shooting pains that are just consistent and, and very painful. And there's no way to really cure them. They used to try cutting off the nerves um, up and up the arm. Like they used to try to cut off parts of the stump. And to, to basically cut off what they thought were inflamed nerve endings from the amputated um, limb. But this didn't really help. Didn't help at all. Yeah. Um, what they found works, and Ramachandran I think created this. It's called the mirror box. So basically, it's this box of mirrors so that you put your, so your, your arm that you still have with your hand, you place your left hand in it, and it creates this reflection of the hand reflected on the other side, so it looks like you have two arms. Yeah. And so when you move this hand around, it looks like you have your real, like your hand back that you lost through the reflection of your other hand that you still have. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so basically what it does is it tricks the brain into thinking, oh, look, my hand isn't clenched anymore. Like, it doesn't have to feel pain anymore. And this actually cures the phantom pain a lot of the time. Wow. Just tricking the brain into thinking, oh, my hand's not really gone. It's still here. I'm telling you. Yeah. Mirrors, though. Mirrors be spooky, dude. Mirrors are spooky. Mirrors be spooking. And they're actually using virtual reality for this a lot nowadays um, to create these effects of still having a hand. Wow. And there's also this insane thing called neural, neural prosthetics they're using now. Um, and basically, this is where uh, you hook up electrodes to a part of the brain, right? And then you have a prosthetic, like a robot arm that you attach.
attach onto the stump. Um, and just by thinking, you can move this hand just like you would a real hand, just by thinking about it, right? Just by thinking, um, and you can start to learn how to control it, right? Um, so this is pretty cool. Anyway, there's another interesting part about this. <laughs> so if your arm gets cut off or your hand gets cut off, it goes to your face, right? Yeah. Now you feel it on your face. Yeah. What happens if your foot gets cut off? Well, your feet and your brain are mapped right next to your genitals. Oh my gosh, this is where I, I researched this before. This you is researched where, this before? Yeah. <laughs> this, I was researching how do people get kinky about feet. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, you probably read this guy. And it's because your feet are right next to the unmentionables in your brain. Yeah, so right? <laughs> sometimes they mesh and sometimes they mesh. Toes make you a bit horny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny too because this guy, this like very renowned neuroscientist in this paper he's talking about phantom limbs. And he also says, "Well, here's my theory about foot fetishes." <laughs> he goes into this. This is where it comes from, right? Um but he he said uh people that have very strong connections between the foot area in their brain and their genital area, which are right next to each other in the brain. Yeah. They're probably if you're feet are stimulated since it's right next to the, your genitals in your brain your, your junk gets stimulated too which is really weird yeah so yeah. that's why this is a message for all of you out there that's why you don't post pictures of your feet for free all right i don't care if it's a cute picture on the beach or anything finesse the bag finesse the bag <laughs> the fuck <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that psa always always make people pay to see your feet Okay, the Muslims knew first. That's why we said don't even show the ankle. We know how much that's worth. All right, we know. Yeah, they're all trying to finesse that bag. Everyone's trying to finesse that bag. Thank you. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, so when people's feet get chopped off, where it usually shows up is around their genital area or their upper thigh. And so, what people have told this researcher who researched phantom limbs is when I have sex. And I orgasm, I feel it in my phantom foot. So I I physically orgasm, but I also feel it in my phantom foot because the foot is now mapped onto the genitals. So, how do you how do you feel an orgasm through your foot? I don't know, but they do. Because <laughs> well, because think about it, the only part of your body that usually kind of feels the, the orgasm is your genital area, right? But if you add another body part into that the orgasm expands onto other parts of the body. Damn. So they've actually said the orgasms feel better than they did before because now their phantom foot is involved. It's an even bigger orgasm. So, hey, if you are feeling kinky <laughs> and you and your sex life is real boring these days, all you got to do is chop off your arms. Chop off your... Well, not your arms. That'll just go to your face. Then you'll have a hand face. Chop off, chop off your feet. All right? You feeling kinky... Get someone to chop off your feet for you. BDSM, bro. BDSM. This has nothing to do with... Oh, BDSM, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not just bondage, but foot chopping. Yeah. You'll have better orgasms. Weird, huh? This message was brought to you by Trojan. <laughs> Trojan condom. <laughs> Get kinky with it. <laughs> chop off your foot kinky with it. Yeah. And... My psychology teacher even said that he's heard of people having phantom penises. What? So if you if you get your penis cut off, you can actually have phantom sensations in that 
body part as well. This basically goes for any body part, right? If you get anything cut off, there's probably going to be some phantom sensations in it because you still have nerves that map that part of the body out in your brain. So a dick also has nerves. You can have a phantom dick. You still get sensations. Pretty crazy, huh? That's wild. Where would this phantom dick be, though? You know, the foot goes to your genitals, your, your hand goes to your face. Where does the dick go? Well, the dick would go to your foot. So, if there was a marathon runner or a jogger who got their penis cut off, it would go to their foot. And every time they would jog, they would probably feel phantom sensations in their penis. Because it's on the foot, right? If you stimulate the foot, you're also stimulating that phantom penis. <laughs> so that's interesting. <laughs> wow. There's so much I, I didn't know before. Yes. That was, that was a really good topic right there. Phantom yeah. penises. Is that spooky? That, I like was... getting you in the mood for spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in a sense, maybe. Pumpkin spice lattes and <laughs> All right, so, you know, we talked a lot about mirrors and stuff, and um, I just want to go in depth with mirror gazing and how to create your own portal. Yes. So, researchers have done a lot of experiments regarding mirror gazing, and this one research called visual perception during mirror gazing at one's own face in patients with depression. So these scientists, what they did is they noticed that people who stare at their face in the mirror, sometimes if they stare at it for a long time, it gets distorted and they see weird faces. What, really? Yeah, so scientists are saying this, right? And I'll also include this um, research article in the description so you guys can also have a deeper look. Here is the abstract for the research. In normal observers, gazing at one's own face in the mirror for a few minutes at a low illumination level produces the apparition of strange faces. Observers see distortions of their own faces, but they often see hallucinations like monsters, archetypical faces, faces of relatives, and deceased and animals. In this research, patients with depression were compared to healthy controls with respect to strange face apparitions. The experiment was a seven-minute mirror-gazing test under low illumination. When the mirror-gazing test ended, the experimenter assessed patients and controls with a specifically designed questionnaire and interviewed them, asking them to describe strange face apparitions. So, that's a little bit of the abstract. Now you tell me, do you think people with depression are going to see more faces, distorted faces in the mirror, compared to the healthy ones? What do you think? I would say yes. Yes? Yeah. All right. Let's see where this takes us. Mm. Apparitions of strange faces in the mirror were very reduced in depression patients compared to healthy controls, actually. So depression patients compared to healthy controls showed shorter durations of apparitions, minor number of strange faces, lower self-evaluation rating of apparition strength, lower self-evaluation rating of provoked emotion. These decreases in depression may be produced by deficits of facial expression and facial recognition of emotions, which are involved in the relationship between the patient 
or the patient's ego and his face image or the patient's bodily self that is reflected in the mirror. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Healthy people are more likely to see these hallucinations, these distortion, distortions. Oh. And I think it's because when you're depressed, you already kind of have a spirit over you, attached to your body, kind of, you know, soaking in all of your power. So, like, when you look into the mirror, you don't really see that because, in a way, you're already in control through a different entity. Whereas if you're happy and healthy and you're looking into a mirror and you see these distortions, you're more vulnerable. Oh. And they, they want you more. They want you more. And you know what? If you think about it, we are the only living species that can, like, look in a mirror and say, that's me. Right? We were given this. I think... Chimpanzees. Yeah, but listen, 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 listen. Listen, Linda, listen. Dogs and, and like, other animals, cats, like, parrots, it takes them a while. Eat, pro- some of them probably don't even get to that awareness to see that. That is their reflection. And my hypothesis for this is because they know that's not them. They know something we don't know. We already know babies and animals. They have this veil on their eyes that's taken off of them that they can see ghosts, right? They they have thinner blood. They're more capable of seeing the other side. We know that, right? You know that... I feel like it's, like, been said around, you know, that dogs can see entities, right? And cats can see it, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I grew I've up heard, with... I've heard stories about that. Yeah. And then babies. But these three, when you put them in the mirror, they don't recognize it. I'm just saying. Because they know that what they're seeing is their shadow self. Yeah, or something else. Spooks. Exactly. It's a cool theory. I know. Okay. Now that we know that mirrors are pretty much portals that hold a different reality filled with demons and shadow souls Mm. i'm gonna tell you how to make one so you can make a mirror no no not make a mirror but make a mirror portal in order for a mirror to be a mirror portal it needs to have another mirror in front of it so that the reflection of the mirror is repeated over and over and it's never ending Mm. do you understand what i'm saying I i think i do um, in the description, I'll send you a link, guys, so you guys also get a. It, the, it's the mirror like trick, right? Where it's the mirror trick. Yeah, the never. Yeah, it goes on forever. That is how you create a portal in your house. They also say in order to create a portal, you need in general you just should always have two mirrors facing each other. They don't have to be close. It could be one side of the room to the other side of the room, but that's how you create it. And then what you do is you sit in the middle of the portal or you can sit closer to your preferred mirror and you stare at yourself in dim lighting. And if you stare long enough, you'll go somewhere. Spooky. And again, this somewhere is a reality farther than your consciousness. Hmm. So it's all like mind games kind of thing going on spooky and 
you know, this is a real thing. A lot of people, like, do you guys, do you remember growing up with stories like Bloody Mary? Yes. And Candyman? Scared the crap, not, I don't know about Candyman, Bloody Mary, dude. It's like, things like these, that it's where, through the mirror, you're able to bring stuff out. Spooky. Yeah, and they say that that's why you should never have a mirror in your bedroom. It should never be facing you when you're sleeping. Because when you're asleep, and if it's magic sleep, they can come and take over you. Spooky. Yeah. So if you're lucid dreaming or something, you might mm-hmm. be in trouble. Yeah, and um, word of advice. Never buy a thrift store mirror. Why? Or an old mirror in general. Because you gotta go with the name brands. <laughs> no, because you don't know what the other person did to that mirror. Ooh. You could be bringing something into your house. Which reminds me of this personal story I have. Of the time I went on this crazy road trip and brought back a gin into my dorm room in college. Oh my god. Yeah, so... So guys, a little a little background into who I am. As you all know, I'm Muslim. I'm Pakistani. My grandfather was an exorcist in Pakistan too. Um, my family has is kind of known for having the sixth sense and being able to predict stuff. And I know this all sounds crazy, y'all. You'd be like, what the, what the f- is this bitch on? Meth? I want some. No, it's like, anyway. I could use some meth right now. I'm pretty sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I need that little jizzle jazz. <laughs> Wake up and uh, get your morning cup of meth. <laughs> so magic is kind of heavily rooted in my upbringing and, you know, all that stuff. And so my family has a good idea of when something is off. So one day, me and my best friend from Tennessee... We all go on this impromptu road trip for spring break, and we go to Bryce Canyon. And this is our first time hanging out in the outdoors. It was my first national park. It was super sick. But throughout the trip, we kept running into terrible stuff. Like, the car broke down. We were lost in this remote town that wasn't on the maps, and we couldn't get out. And we lost signal. It was just random. And then we, it felt like we were circling back into the same place, even though we were driving different directions. Weird. Yeah, it was like never ending. It was just so weird. And then we ended up, you know, every day we were out on this spring break trip. We kept going up into the mountains and hiking places that were off, off the map, you know, because we didn't, re- this was our first time. We didn't really know what we were doing. And... It would just, every time something bad would happen, that we'd go hike up. Like, one time I, I went hiking up with her, and I slid down this rock slide, and I ended up scratching up the whole side of my body, and it was, like, bleeding pretty bad. Like, just shit kept hitting the fan for no good reason. After this trip was over, we drive back to my dorm, and we're sitting in my room. She's on the floor, and I'm sitting at my desk, and, you know... Sending my mom pictures of us being home to prove to her I'm not lying. Because you know how brown parents are. They want receipts. They want to know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> So I snap a picture of my friend Taylor. 
and she's laying on the ground next to this mirror I bought from a thrift store. And she's sitting on the ground. Oh, you bought it from a thrift store. I did. And I send it to my mom. And my mom's like, who else is with you in that room? And I was like, what do you mean? It's just me and Taylor. And then she was like, no. Is there another person in that room? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then she zooms up to the picture I sent her and sends it back to me. And in the picture she sent me, she zoomed up to the mirror and there's a black hand with nails trying to reach out from the mirror, touching the surface next to Taylor. And it's not her hands because neither of her hands are in proximity of the mirror. So there's just a solo hand just hanging out, trying to reach out of the mirror there. And when my mom sent me that screenshot, I freaked out. Right, I was so scared. I was like, whose hand is that? That is really freaking scary. So my mom sends the picture to my my baba, my dad in Pakistan. And he says that that's a jinn. And he says that hand is of a jinn and he's attached to my best friend. And she needs to be safe. And you know what? I believe that shit right away. Not only because, you know, my family's very intuitive, but because Taylor's a dumb bitch. I love you, Taylor. I love you. But homegirl did a Ouija board at a cemetery on a witch's grave multiple times because YOLO. God damn. So, Taylor, if you're listening. You kind of had it coming, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Typical white people. Anyway. Hey. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's my own personal account of mirror people i've witnessed them sketchy yeah i haven't posted that picture anywhere i don't really keep that picture in my phone gallery it's on google photos because i just don't want that energy but i can still show you guys if you're down just let me know in the comments or something god damn scary spooked the the deuce out of me you got rid of that mirror right no i still have that mirror it's at my mom's house and it's because we've closed that mirror How'd you do that? So, if you do want to buy a thrift store or a mirror that's been used. Okay, so this is a basic spell for closing a portal. Whenever possible, you should be in front of the portal while performing a portal closing spell. If it is not possible, then you should use an image that represents the portal. Treat the image as if it is the portal itself. The image can be a hand drawing or an actual photo of the location of the portal. You can use an object that represents the portal, a small box or some glued together popsicle sticks. It doesn't matter what you use to represent the portal as long as you're representing it in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're going to need salt. Stand in a circle of salt to perform the ritual. You will also need the salt for throwing at the portal or representation of the portal during appropriate times in the spell such as when you're commanding it cleansed and closed Mm. candles candles should be lining your circle as well as a path to the portal this is your path of energy that may not be penetrated by any other entity that you have not chose to pass through candles will be lit upon casing your circle use whichever colors you're drawn to for this Go with what feels right. 
Incense are recommended. Something that suits banishing and or is calming. If you're unsure what to use, just go with your gut again. And a lot of people will, will recommend sage for cleansing. If you wish, do so. If not, leave it out. Um, it just depends, again, like your intuition, your, your vibe. And then you're going to want to call upon all the elements for this, as well as whichever god or goddesses that you work with. Again, not necessary, but it's a method. And channels the necessary power for your mind to work with the spell. Go with your beliefs because it's your beliefs that will help you. And they do not recommend crystals for this because whatever is through that portal may attach itself to the crystals. Ooh. Yeah. So if you're banishing negative entities, you should never use crystals or stones as the entity can be trapped within the stone or crystal. And that can be very dangerous for anyone in possession of that stone or crystal if that should happen. So take off any jewelry that contains crystals and stones and remove them from the area before casting. Spooky. And then you will want to write a spell ahead of time, making sure to use phrases as away and I command you and I order you closed. And you pretty much want to put together your own spell, your own kind of mantra of how you want to do it because it's supposed to be personal to you because your personal strength of your soul and your mind is greater than you can ever imagine. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And then remain in control no matter what happens. Strange stuff might happen, so beware. Don't be surprised if stuff starts flying around the room or you hear strange noises. Make the entities know that only you have the power to open this portal and use it, and it will remain closed until such time as you see to fit open. And th this is what you do if demons or negative entities are involved. Target the banishment of any demons in the spell so that can so they can never come through, even if it's opened again. Mm. If you have if you have certain negative entities or demons that you are dealing with alongside this portal, you may want to bind them before banishing them. Use their name if they have given you one. You will always want to use their name when banishing them if you can. While doing so, do not show any fear. These type of entities feed on your fear. Your fear gives them the power. So, so no fear means no power to them and all the power for you. After you're done, that's how you pretty much like close the portal. And if you're using a representation of the portal, like a popsicle stick, a picture, or whatever, you need to burn that shit. You need to burn it and get it out of your house because it's going to be sealed forever and then you're going to dispose of the ashes sweep up the salt and dispose of all of it because you don't want any of that shit with you and that's how you close close the mirror portal god damn that's yeah. scary that is scary i don't want to do this i never want to have to do this um anyway that's what's very spooky what if you could extend your consciousness into things we already talked about taking consciousnesses out of mirrors or going into them uh, but what if you could use science to expand your awareness of the world through technology? Okay. Tell me more, sir. Do you want to hear about this? I do want to hear about this. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you might be asking, Michael, what are you talking about? Well, this is what I'm talking about. We're talking about, um, I don't know the word... Oh, human fusions. <laughs> so if you want to look it up, maybe we'll leave the link 
the Human Fusions Institute, okay, is this kind of military-funded uh, science project right now that involves neuroscientists and engineers and all this stuff, right? The military is kind of funding it, or if you've heard of DARPA, DARPA's funding it. They're the people that create all this weird government technology shit, all right? Anyway, this is what it is, right? So these people have created uh, very advanced prosthetic limbs. We already talked about phantom limbs and, and how people are creating prosthetics that hook up to your mind and you can actually control your arm by just thoughts, right? Just thinking about it, you can control this robotic arm. Um, well, they've created even more advanced prosthetics now that can feel touch. So how they do this is they connect electrodes uh, and wires to your actual nerves in your arms. Um, and these nerves, they have what are, what's called somatotopic organization, meaning that the nerves that literally go from your fingers and your hand are organized the exact same way they are in your hand all the way up to your brain. That means if you were to stimulate those same nerves in your upper arm, even though it's not in your hand, you can stimulate feelings of the hand. And this is kind of how... Um, this is kind of how people feel phantom limbs too, right? Because those same nerves are organized in the brain just as they are in the actual hand. Anyway, so these people, what they're doing is they're taking these uh, robotic arms and they're connecting it to people's nerves so that when you actually grab something, you can feel the pressure of that object or you can feel it on your skin even though it's just a robot arm. Pretty crazy, huh? That's wild. Because... Think about it. If if you have just a robot arm that you can't feel anything with, right? You go to shake someone's hand, you can crush their hand. Or you just won't know how hard to, to, to shake because you can't feel anything. We get a lot of information through our sense of touch and through pressure. And so when you don't have these things, um, it, you, it's not very convincing that this prosthetic arm is actually your arm, right? But when you add touch, now it becomes, wow, this feels like my real arm. And you can actually you know, shake someone's hand, you know, uh, interact with your environment in a much more realistic way. So it gives people their life back. Um, but that's not even the coolest thing. The coolest thing is that using the same technology, uh, placing devices that hook up to our nerves, um, we can basically, even if we haven't lost limbs, we can extend our sensory awareness into machines any kind of machine imaginable. And one of the coolest examples was that if you're a pilot, we could somehow um, hook up a device to your nerves in your arm and then uh, have pressure sensors on the outside of a plane's wings, right? And so every time that like the plane moves, you'll feel it as if it were your arm. And so you can literally fly a plane by touch. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And they have technology to do this right now. Insert Squidward meme. Future. Yes. Future. <laughs> so what does this mean? I, you could pretty much control any machine and actually feel what the machine's doing, right? So this is going to completely change gaming, for example, like VR technologies. They're going to have uh, the ability to basically, just from your brain alone, feel like you're in a real world feel like you can actually touch and experience everything that's happening in this video game. That's on the rise in the next, who knows, maybe decade, we're going to have that technology. That's 4D, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's 
basically true virtual reality you will no longer be able to tell that you're in a fake world anymore you'll have every sensation that you would in, in the normal what also is really cool about this is you can basically design robots that have pressure sensors that are then hooked up to you to your nerves so you can feel everything the robot feels so you can basically send robots into very dangerous environments that humans could not usually go in and have no danger right you could send them into a volcano to collect lava samples and even go into the lava and there's no danger to yourself that's insane you could send them to outer space you could have them walk on mars there's no danger to a human being and you still get to touch and feel and experience the surface of mars wow incredible the dark side of this cyborgs <laughs> Okay. <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, the dark side of this is that um, we no longer need to send human lives into battle. We can send robots in, right? And so that means that the, the people, the, the countries that have the most money, they can basically design these robots that are just bulletproof, basically indestructible, send those into battle instead of people. They don't need to risk a single human life, but they can kill thousands of people. That's insane. That's like the yeah. only word I can even... Yeah. Use right now. Well, think about it. If you uh, connected someone to this giant robot, maybe he's 20 feet tall, solid steel, they have rocket launchers, it has mini guns, it has all these machine guns. You send it into a village where you know the Taliban's hiding. You can gun that, you can destroy that entire village easily. You That's have no, no fear, no pain. You're just controlling a robot. That's scary. You can literally kill millions of people at a time. That is terrible. Without risking a single human life. But the millions you just killed. Except for the millions you killed, yeah. So that might be what future warfare looks like if there are still battles being fought, especially of a first world country to maybe a country that doesn't have as good technology. They'll send in robots, basically kill everyone without having to risk any soldiers of their own. Gee Whitakers. Which is kind of scary. That is scary. Yeah, it's not kind of scary, it's really scary. It is really scary. And we almost have this technology now, so... What's the world going to look like? Is it going to be Terminator? It might be. I don't know. Age of the robots. The robots are coming. That that was all insane. Yeah. And you know what? You really gave me a lot to like take in. I can't believe half the shit you just said today. It's true, though. That's weird. It makes me think about myself. Mm. It makes me think about the world I live in. What would it be like to be a basketball head chopped off person? I don't know. It's really not my vibe to be dunked on like that. It'd be cool. I'll get back to you. Okay. But, you know, you listeners out there, what would you like to do for 30 seconds of consciousness? If your head was chopped off. Yeah. So feel free to let us know um, on our Instagram at Adulthood because we want to hear from you. And where would you go if you could control a robot and didn't need to feel pain? What, where would you go in the universe? The where would you go? Where would you go? I would personally go down to the bottom of the ocean. That's an application as well. I want to see what's down there. I heard if you go all the way to the bottom of the ocean, it turns into space. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm going to debunk that, and I'm going to see if it's real. <laughs> but I want to hear you guys' opinions, your guys' comments. And share any spooky mirror stories that you may have. Oh, yeah. Please, please tell us. I, like, I'm fiending for some stories. Spooky time. Spooky season is on the rise, and we need 
to be in the know. Don't tell me though. Just tell Reem. <laughs> that scares me. <laughs> <I'm spooked. laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for bringing all that to the table today. Um, this has been a good show, and I'll say that's a wrap. Feel free to check out the description for all the links and movie recommendations. And if if you're feeling jizzy with it, you know. Feeling jizzy with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you want to get jazzy with it. Please, donate to the podcast. It's just a, the price of a cup of coffee. All right. I'm your host, Reem, and this is El Whole Adulthood. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out our Instagram at LOL Adulthood and our website, as told by Reem, for more updates and fun posts. I'm your host, Reem, and this is LOL Adulthood. <laughs>